Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are saying as long as there is breath in our bodies, we will not forget you. If we don't deal with this issue now, the problem will get bigger. The lack of empathy. These women need to get over themselves. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. There are no prizes for this, but how many Cork connections were on that team last night. Obviously, Denise O'Sullivan, who got the wonderful hat-trick from Cork. Saoirse Noonan from Cork. Megan Connolly from Cork. All scored. There's another... There's another one. (laughs) There is another one. No prizes, but if you can tell people who it is, uh, I'll give you a gold star. But fantastic. I was watching it. I just I for completely forgotten. Mea culpa. Completely forgotten it was on the telly. And I turned over just about maybe 10 minutes before halftime. And I just sat and watched it. Thoroughly enjoyed the game. Okay. It was very, 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 very one-sided. Never mind the England game. What did they beat Latvia 20 goals to nil or something last night? But um, very one-sided. But I enjoyed it. And great to watch. Uh, Denise O'Sullivan from Cork Sir Noonan from Cork Megan Connolly from Cork What's the other Cork connection on that team? One in particular that springs to mind A goal scorer now One other goal scoring connection with Cork Last night 1850 Another voucher to give away with our friends at Foot Solutions Tell you more about that in a wee while But as of this morning No mask no class would appear to be the rule. Daily Mail have it. Schools to tell pupils mask up or go home. The Mirror has no mask, no class. And it's pretty much through all of the papers that from today, primary school pupils from third class up must wear a mask in class. The Minister of Education, Norma Foley, has said any child not wearing a mask without proof of exemption will be sent home. How do you go about getting proof of exemption? That is a question that an awful lot of people will be asking. Well, let's uh, try and clarify what the facts are and 
what we know rather than what we think by going to the president of the Irish National Teachers Organisation, Joe McKeown. Morning, Joe. Good morning, PJ. Will there be confusion in schools this morning? Is it as black and white as it seems to be? No mask, no class. No, that won't be the case this morning. Um, and I want to reassure any of your listeners that I, I don't expect that any child will be turned away from school today for wearing a mask or even the same tomorrow or the day after. Um, and I think the department did issue a clarification late last night, uh, making it very clear to schools that they did have discretion for the next number of days about how to implement these, this, this new guidance. Mm. So uh, children who turn up for school this morning without a mask will indeed still uh, get access to their, their classes. And over the coming days, the schools will decide how to work with parents to implement this public health measure um, that is now a regulation. The Minister did say, she was speaking in News Talk this morning, yes. a child not wearing a mask without reason will be sent home. Yes, she said that. And uh, as I say, that, that certainly will be the case once the measures are up and in place. Uh, I think the first thing that will happen for schools is, as I say, they will be working with parents and with children about bringing in the measure. They'll be identifying the children who, for one reason or other, might not be able to wear masks. Um, If, for example, a child has breathing or other medical conditions, or if a pupil is unable to remove a face covering without assistance, or if a pupil has special needs. uh, Parents, if they have a medical certificate, their children will be exempt from, from wearing a mask. And then there'll be other children that the schools will know have complex needs. They'll be dealing with those children already and they will be approaching parents to have a discussion around that. And I think it's it's important to remember that we can't assume that all children with special needs can't wear masks um, and parents will will know their own children and the school will know the the children as well. And those children will be identified Mm. and a a workable solution will will be found. Just listening back very closely to what the minister said, she said, children who refuse to wear a mask without a valid medical reason or not having complex additional needs will be sent home. When will those rules kick in? Well, and this, uh, I think, was part of the confusion yesterday that obviously once the cabinet had made a decision, the impression from the first letter that came out was that it was starting immediately and that was causing alarm for principals and teachers who knew that it would need time. So there was further guidance issued late yesterday evening. Uh, I know I got a copy of it sometime around half, 10, 11 o'clock, uh, which made it clear that schools have a few days' discretion. It doesn't say exactly how many days, and I think schools will be trying to implement the rules as quickly as possible because they're public health measures. But I certainly would think for the rest of this week, most schools will be talking to the Board of Management and will then have uh, communication with parents and we'll listen to the concerns of individual parents who have concerns. Uh, and I would expect that by next week, um, the, the rules will be up and running. Now, I don't want to put you in a spot, Joe, but I guess the question is, there are people out there who have, A, refused to get vaccinated, B, refused to wear masks, and are saying, last night and this morning, I will not put my child in a mask, and I will sue you if you send them home. Yeah, well, I think the, the, the guidance that is in the uh, the regulation or the, the document that came to primary schools is the very same guidance that issued to post-primary schools back in September uh, when schools reopened, uh, and, you know, last year it was. So it has, has worked that in, in, in that circumstance. Uh, and yes, you're quite right. 
there are a small number of people who may have genuine concerns but can be quite aggressive in the manner in which they express those concerns. Uh, and schools will just have to address that situation. It will be very, very difficult. But at the same time, um, it's the same for post-primary as primary. If there isn't a valid reason, schools will have no option uh, but to, to enforce the regulations that are there. You said time. Now, this is Wednesday. I'm assuming the end of this week will come and go. Would you suggest maybe Monday morning the rules come in with full effect or what? Yes. Uh, what, 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 and I'm just looking exactly now at another email that's come in from the department oh. uh, uh, there, just saying pretty much what I got last night, that schools will take a practical approach over the next day or two to communicate the new measures to parents and to ensure parents have the opportunity to provide masks to children. So we're talking clearly there about the next day or two. Uh, now, the last issue that I think is also very important you know, as teachers, uh, we are very, very concerned that there will be some families who can't afford to buy masks. And we do think and we have asked the department to ensure that schools have sufficient funding to ensure that they have masks for children who cannot afford them and families who can't afford them, because we think that's very important. Mm-hmm. Will they be needed in things like crowded playgrounds or crowded assembly halls or are they just in the class? Well, the guidance is, is silent on that, but I mean the expectation is that the guidance will be is the same as in in general uh, public life. So, mask wearing is the norm now in Ireland in crowded indoor settings. Mm. It is not the norm in outdoor settings, and I think children who are playing outdoors, I wouldn't expect that they'll be wearing uh, face coverings sure. unless they choose to do so. Uh, and we'll take the same sensible approach that we do with the adult population. Now that we know, Joe, that, yeah. to quote the examiner, it's running rampant in the schools, and yeah. you and your colleagues, in fairness, have been telling us on this programme mm-hmm. for weeks that COVID was rampant in the schools. The numbers have been there. The government just caught up with them in the last couple of days. Is there any mood out there now, Joe, for a circuit breaker along the lines of not coming back on the Monday the 20th and not coming back until Monday the 9th of January? Well, certainly there, there, there are people who feel that, is, that, that that should happen. But at the moment, the public health advice isn't suggesting that. And uh, certainly from the conversations we've had with the department uh, just last week, that was not being considered um, and is not... What opinion are your colleagues expressing on a personal level, though? Well, they're, they're, they're making the point that obviously for those small number of days that uh, it, might be, it might be sensible to, to close the schools because uh, the schools are under pressure. But at, at this moment right now, I think the objective, and the Minister clarified it again this morning, is to uh, have the schools operating up to the end of the year. That's going to be a challenge, and I'll be quite honest with you, PJ, you know, last yesterday evening and every evening, I talk to principals who are struggling to staff their schools. Yes, yes. You know, and it's not even going to be uh, uh, an issue about about COVID among the children. The fact of the matter is, in in lots of walks of life. I mean, yesterday I know there were libraries in certain parts of the country that closed that had notices of saying we're closed because we have a shortage of staff. Um, so the staffing of schools for every day up to Christmas is going to be a challenge, and. Uh, I think the objective, the clear objective at the moment is to do what we can to keep schools open. But look, I don't think anybody can predict 
from one week to the next what's going to happen. Mm. Uh, things were a lot, an awful lot different seven days ago compared to what they are now. Isn't that the hardest part of all of this, finally, Joe? How unpredictable it... It, it was never predictable, but how unpredictable it has become in recent days. It is. It's, it's extraordinarily challenging for everybody and it's taking its toll on everybody, on parents, on teachers, and on the general population. It is a really, really difficult time that we're in right now. Uh, and I suppose I would always say, and I just remind teachers when I'm talking to teachers and to parents, we know now at this stage that if we do what we can to keep everybody safe, we will be able to do more of the things that we like. It's when we take our eye off that ball, as we did with contact tracing, things spiral out of control very, very quickly and it focus on safety, focus on keeping people well and then we'll be able to do more of the things that we want. Lastly, how about focusing on keeping kids warm? Stephen Donnelly said last night that keeping windows open was the best policy but the children are frozen. A lot of places won't let them keep their coats on which I guess they should be allowed. What about air filters? Where are we on that, Joe? Yeah, well certainly every child should be allowed to wear sufficient clothes to keep themselves warm and there's no doubt about it, everybody in classrooms everywhere in the country is freezing because the CO2 monitors are showing red as soon as the heat comes on or the blinds are down. It's it's it's, it's that bad in a lot of classes. On air filters, you know, the, the evidence from the European Centre of Disease Control is a year old and it's very much out of date. There is recent research uh, from about a month ago now uh, that HEPA air filters uh, worked very well in real-world trials in, in a hospital situation. And we think that it's really urgent need to review the, the our position on, on air filters to see if they can be operational. Um, and I was heartened to hear the Taoiseach saying that there would be a look at how we open schools in January because we haven't hit the really cold weather yet. Yeah. And children and staff freezing, absolutely freezing in schools is not a satisfactory situation, but every child and every teacher and SNA should be allowed to wear sufficient warm clothing sure. to keep themselves warm. Yeah, now the, the Taoiseach, his general, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing very much what he said yesterday, but he, what he appears to be saying now is, look, we will do everything we can to get to the end of the school term and we'll reassess in time for the next one. Is that okay? Is, is that enough? Well, he said he said the, the word he used was recalibrate, uh, uh, as well as to reassess. Well, I think getting through to to December, the end of December, is is probably as much an objective as we can have. But the recalibrating for for January has to start now. It has to involve contact tracing. It has to involve air filters, and it has to involve um, antigen testing, perhaps on a more widespread basis than we have at the moment. All right. Okay. Thank you very much for being with us this morning. That's the president of the Irish National Teachers Organisation, Corkman, Joe McKeown. So no child will be sent home for the next couple of days because there will be a time given to the schools to to let this settle. Uh, Here's what Norma Foley said this morning. Now, this is brief, but here's what she said. Students who do not comply and do not have a medical basis um, will be asked to stand down from school, yes. That's what she said on News Talk Radio this morning. So this, I assume, is after the couple of days when they allow it to bed down. Students who do not comply and do not have a medical basis um, will be asked to stand down from school, yes. And just in case anybody wants to start complaining about masks uh, being some form of cruelty to children, I, I decided to dig this one out. This is Neve Lynch 
consultant paediatrician at the Barnes Hospital in Cork. When this story was looking like it would happen last week, I put that exact question to her. Messages already starting to drop into our text and WhatsApp to say putting a mask on a child is cruel. Yeah, and they haven't ever seen real child cruelty. They haven't seen what cruelty to children actually is. I have. And I don't want to talk about it, but that's not cruelty to children. 1850 the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM. Right, our friends at Foot Solutions on the Grand Parade with us this week, giving the gift of happiness to your loved ones this Christmas with a Foot Solutions gift card for your feet and the rest will follow. A 200 euro voucher to give away on the show every day. We're having fun with this. We're playing footsteps in the snow. We give you two sets of footsteps and we'll tell you we're giving them. And then the third one, we just throw it in. And you have to count up the total number of footprints that you hear. So here is your first set of footsteps for today. No, I won't be repeating it. Write it down, keep it safe, or remember remember how many you heard. Give you more of the next hour, and then we'll throw in the third set when you're not looking. 1850-715-996. Now, I was going to talk to uh, parenting journalist Jen Hogan about parents and WhatsApp groups and Christmas gifts for, for, for teachers, which I'll get to. But, Jen, on the morning that we have with us... Uh, I would be wrong of me to start other than with masks and the latest changes in primary school. What reactions are you getting from parents and, and what do you think about the, the changes made overnight? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, um, I mean, there's been huge reaction to, to the announcement yesterday. I think it caught a lot of people by surprise and the reactions that have been coming into me are both from parents and teachers. And it's not very positive. I think that the part that had caught people unaware or on the hop maybe was the, the fact that it's it's a recommendation in theory, but because children can be refused entry to school without a doctor's note exempting them from wearing a mask, in, in actual practice, it appears mandatory. So that has caused an awful lot of consternation and upset by teachers and parents who feel this is just too harsh. The language is too harsh. The expectation is too harsh. There's no easing in period. It was to take effect from today. Those schools will show some flexibility. But that getting kids prepped and maybe even discussing breaks with them, mask breaks and how they'd manage things um, as, as well as all the other concerns that exist around perhaps children becoming distressed or overwhelmed and that not being noticed. One teacher pointed out to me that w- within class often over the course of a year the teacher might pick up on certain things that they'll be able to raise an issue, um, the issue with the parent that they may have concerns about there being uh, perhaps additional needs or something, something that maybe isn't immediately obvious, but teachers might pick it up in class. Those things could be missed. There's been people from, uh, from whose children are deaf or hard of hearing and saying, even if they're exempt, the children around them not we- are wearing masks is going to make life really, really difficult for the child who is deaf because they rely on hearing things repeated and obviously reading lips. And so this is a huge mm. issue for them. 
And mm. across the board, it's the mandatory or the, the effective mandatory element of it is, is probably the thing that has annoyed parents and teachers the most. Mm. See, there is the point too, though, Jen, that children have been doing this around the world for many months now. We seem to be the last to the party on it. So if it can be done elsewhere, why can't it be done here? Well, what we don't have is any long-term research on how it may impact them. And it will actually take years before. Nobody can, I suppose, turn around and say it definitely won't impact them anymore um, than anyone can turn around and say it will impact them. But there are concerns, obviously, around children's social and emotional development and speech development and things like that. And I would actually say, when, when you talk about things going on in other countries, yes, that may be the case, but there are other things going on in other countries that we certainly wouldn't want to follow either. Examples, like we've looked to Britain and rolled our eyes back so far um, in our heads that they've come around again and, and that's not something that we'd necessarily want to follow and even and everybody who knows me and knows my stance on vaccination and I am very supportive of vaccination even the most supportive of us when it comes to vaccination wouldn't perhaps be in favour of a mandatory implementation of vaccination which mm. looks like it's going to happen in Austria so I think when we look to other countries that can nearly be a justification for doing things but what would concern a lot of parents and teachers myself even, is that have child development experts don't seem to have been consulted here and um, maybe to look at what the impacts are, what the potential fallout is. And then there is the fear. Is, we, is don't, the fear we don't have time for that, Jen. Do you know, we don't, we're in the middle of a we global pandemic. We don't have time for that. If we, if we don't make time now, we'll have to make it in the future because there will be a fallout. And I think most people accept there'll be some sort of yeah, fallout. Yeah, but how much how time would you give for this kind of research? You're looking at longitudinal research. We don't have time for that in the middle of a pandemic. Well, maybe not for research, but perhaps perhaps if we involve child development experts in the conversation even, in the conversation before these decisions are made, it would be something. It would be something to get their feedback. And maybe the decision, if the decision was still taken to go ahead with masks, parents could feel a little bit more confident and teachers could feel a little bit more confident that the appropriate people were involved in the discussions at least. You know, that's, I think, there's, there's that fear that are we actually discussing the fallout with the right people are we involving the right people in the conversation but look it, it, it from today children over nine plus will be expected to wear masks and that even applies in classes where if you have a mixed class so if there's a class second class and third class being taught together the third class pupils will have to wear a mask the second class pupils won't yeah. so that, anyway, that's, that's a bit that complicated is, all right move on to the yeah. issue of presence and we all read uh, social media posts about uh, people now doing crazy things like setting up spreadsheets as to who's contributing what. Mm-hmm. Like, has it gone out of control entirely, Jen, on WhatsApp? I think somewhere along the way, yeah, teachers' gifts have lost the run of themselves a little bit. And I think it, it started with the best of intentions. And most people are huge fans of their teachers and want to say thank you. And that's great if they want to say thank you. But perhaps what there is is a situation where you can't say thank you in the way that you'd like to, whether that be with a homemade gift or a card from your child. There is an expectation to contribute to a collection and it doesn't always suit everybody's pocket. And I every year this comes up and I did see some things on Twitter too where there was a spread of the spreadsheet in reference to um, a list being put up of who had paid and how much they had paid and only the names of the children who have paid going on the actual gift card. And that happens. I know that happens because parents tell me that happens and they report it every year to me. And it's a huge, it's a really difficult situation because you have some poor child or a couple of poor children left off the gift card because their parents didn't contribute for whatever reason. Well, that's, and that's horrible when either. that happens. 
horrible that it's is. absolutely horrible and it puts it, it also you know it is a really expensive time of year and it puts a lot of pressure on parents and let, let's make no mistake there, it, it's not often a token amount that people ask for I certainly know um, from my own experience and from hearing from other people 15-20 to be asked to contribute is not unusual and if you have multiple children it can get really really like if you have multiple children you could be 15, spending more 15 or 20 euro Mm, in a yeah. class of maybe 30 kids yeah what are they doing buying yeah. the buying the teacher a, a put a deposit for a car or something what are they doing I, I, generally a gift card and I guess well, that's lovely because the teacher at least gets to choose what they like as opposed to 30 candles or 30 soap <laughs> yeah, sets yeah, yeah, or anything like that. that so there is that 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 plus side but you see again you've got the amount set and perhaps yeah. most parents if they're anything like me they might be out there doing their clever shop another three for two bargains yeah, and thinking I get around a number of, of people there. this way you're you just know, trying to I guarantee you Jen there'll be a run place. there'll be a run on the pharmacies in the next couple of days all those gift sets and there'll be a run on pennies all those gift sets of course there is and you know it's really hard I think to have this discussion because people are so appreciative of, the, of their yeah. children's teachers so appreciative and it's not a reflection on the teacher and I think that's what's really important to remember this is nothing to do with the teacher at all this, these are parents driving these gift, mm-hmm. these um, collections and driving these uh, setting the amounts as well it's parents setting the amounts it's very hard to stand up and say I think that's too much most people don't want to air their financial laundry yeah. in public you know they want to and to, to put that amount there and then there is the kind of the final reminders and that fear of your child being left off the gift card or off the, the Christmas card to the teacher both in terms of embarrassment perhaps if you can't afford it but also the fear that teacher might think you're making a statement <laughs> you know, yeah, no, I, I, think, I, I have to say Jen, you know, we can laugh about Yankee candles and children or parents yeah. going home or teachers going home with bags of Yankee candles and bags of Maltesers and 15 selection boxes and all of that but I think Anybody, and if anybody's listening to me now, I'm saying this straight out, and I I wonder would you endorse this, Jen? If you are the person who writes up the gift card and you leave somebody's name out, how dare you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And that's the way it should be. Every child's name goes on that card. Every single child's name should go on that card. And if I, I totally agree with you. I think it's, it's, I completely endorse the whole idea that you would exclude a child or children. Um, from a, a card or from a gift, it just it sits awfully. It just it's it's so wrong. That it's could so be the child who lost a parent or a granny to yeah. COVID. That could be the child whose dad or mom hasn't worked in months. That could be the child who's who who are, has whose parents have a horrible decision: do we eat or do we eat? It's a it's yeah. a it's a despicable thing to do to a child. Absolutely despicable thing, and it's it, it is. It does, as I said, it, this isn't the first time I did see that. I saw some of the messages going on Twitter, but last year I had the same things being reported to me that this was happening. And there is, as I said, that huge frustration. And it's a despicable thing to leave any child out for a decision that their parent made for any kind for whatever reason, whatever known reason. But to, it's, you know, the, like you said, the decisions that parents sometimes have to make really are very difficult and no child should have to pay the price for that. Do we, of course, the question comes in every year, do we really need to give gifts to teachers at Christmas and at the end of the year, big ones or small ones. I mean, they are paid. 
I mean, again, you would hear that and it's a very hard discussion to have without it looking like you're making a statement about your particular teacher. And I think that's why people people give the gifts because they want to say thank you. They want to say, look, I really appreciate what you've done. And also children love to give a gift. Children love to you know, be the proud bearer of a little wrapped thing to bring into their teacher. And, and But the majority of teachers that, again, I have spoken to here, they will say they are very grateful for the homemade card or the drawn picture. That It's saying thank you can be said in, and in lots of different ways. It doesn't have to be with a purchased gift. And they're not expected. The expectation does not come from teachers, but it is driven by parents. Okay. Uh, Carla wants me to come back to you on the masks issue before I let you go, Jen. And and you talked about research and I put it to you a little bit. Do we have time? Carla picked up on that and said, we don't have time for long research. Human lives are at risk and we have a pretty good idea of how vaccines work and what the danger points are. And I presume the same with masks. Do you want your child growing up with the guilt of making a neighbour or granny sick or worse? Is that your idea of mental health? Okay, first of all, I mean, the actual tone of that. Um, there, there, There's two things to address there. I would and, and by the way, I've toned that down a little. It's, it's, a bit, it's a bit more aggressive than that. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I'd have, I'd have preferred to see other mitigation measures introduced first, ones which we know would definitely not have an impact on children, like the, the re- restoration of full contact tracing and improved ventilation in schools. That's something that could have been done. It's more expensive. I don't understand why the full return to contact tracing isn't happening. We can do that without having children isolate from school. That that They could be two separate issues. I know the reason for removing it and the argument for removing it, but um, it could, they can be done separately. Secondly, children have made huge sacrifices to protect others. We know that thankfully most children don't get seriously ill. There will always be the exceptional case, but the vast, vast majority of children do not get sick from COVID and the vast majority of children step up to the plate and want to protect the people around them because everybody has vulnerable people that they love and that they care about. Asking them to wear a mask at school does not directly result in granny dying or anything like that. And to put it in such emotive terms is just, it's kind of inflammatory to turn around and say that most children have stayed away from grandparents or doing extra antigen tests or taking all the risks or taking all the precautions that they can actually take. I'm I'm raising the issue saying this it could have, could, and I'm only asking, could it, we have, okay. there mentioning the things to discuss, social, emotional, developmental impacts. Have these things been considered? It's a question about that. This is not, a, in it together means in it together for everyone, that we look out for the adults, but that we look out for the children too. We need to protect everybody here and the best interests and the needs of everybody here. And you know, we're we're masking for nine plus up. The younger children won't be in masks. So when we look at it as an effective thing within a school, perhaps improved ventilation, perhaps a, rest- a, re- a restoration of full contact tracing would make a bigger difference and would protect mm. granny and protect everybody else more. To, to, to be fair, the, the teachers in the INTO would, would endorse that very much this morning. Filters and better con- and contact tracing coming back would be a lot more... Useful than children sitting there freezing with the windows open. Jen, thank you very much. That's Jen Hogan, a parenting journalist. But I regard the presents and the gathering of money to put into a gift card or a man point card or whatever for the children. If you leave a child's name off that card, you are horrible. Horrible. And if you'd even consider doing it, you're horrible. 
1850715996. Loads of stuff coming in on the kids and the masks. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie what you mean? Got my eyes on a prize, that's me. Manchester City are the champions. Number one, that's top of the league. The best football league in the world is right here. Firmino with the flick. Salah! Fernandez, he's going to go for goal. Oh, what a goal. The Premier League Live, powered by Top Sport. Join me, Trevor Welch, exclusively online at 96fm.ie. Tune in Saturdays as we ramp up the excitement for the day's biggest games. We'll bring you pre-match analysis, live commentary and in-depth interviews with some legends of the sport. The Premier League Live With now Join in the experience With a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership Listen every Saturday Exclusively online At 96fm.ie Or download the Cork's 96fm app Cork's 96fm Something else that came in yesterday Was changes in our travel regime And as of Friday morning from the early hours of Friday morning, all passengers coming into the state will be required to present a negative COVID test, whether or not one is fully vaccinated and indeed boosted. It'll be reviewed in a couple of weeks, being put in place due to fears over Omicron. You will have to have either a PCR test or a professionally conducted antigen test, which would be like going into Boots, for example, or going into some chemist and saying, could you do an an antigen test on me there properly? And then they print you off a cert to say you've actually cleared the test. Pat Dawson, Chief Executive of the Irish Travel Agents Association. Pat, does this cause hassle for your association or your members, or or is it just something you'll have to deal with? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Uh, Yes, it caused hassle, uh, a lot of hassle, and also for, for our customers as well. So we've had... You know, when there's any changes, you know yourself, there's an avalanche of re- reaction and inquiries about it. And that has died down now and it's been explained very, very well as you as you have explained it. Uh, but it's, you know, it's something else that's thrown at us. And, uh, you know, this uh, thing keeps surprising us every month. So our industry, you know, we'll never know what we're going to get hit with. But that's just something else which is inconvenient, uh, which uh, in the case of uh, the PCR tests, I'm, I'm getting one myself because I'm going to the States next week. It's mm. costing me over 100 euros. And an antigen test is about 35, 50 euros as such. And an interesting query I got this morning was for um, someone going to the Premiership and they were asking about during going back over and back or they're staying in ICE uh, and can they get a test here? They can get it here once they're, the regulation is 48 or 72 hours as such. But it was an interesting question. So everybody thinks of everything, which is good things, and it's as well to have everything covered. That is an interesting anomaly, that if, for example, I wanted to go over to Old Trafford for a match at the weekend uh, and come back on Sunday, I can get my antigen test on in boots on Saturday morning before I go, or, or Friday evening before I go. I could get infected at the match. Yeah, you could. And, and the medics, uh, I've, I've heard uh, Professor Barry this morning, uh, speaking about that as such, yes, it, it 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 could be the case, but you know it's obeying the rules, and uh, well, you, you know, you, as we all know, at matches, 
and I've been at a couple recently, you know, you, you wear a mask or whatever else and, and you protect yourself and your family and, and that and do the responsible things. But yes, I mean, it, it can be done. And of course, it, it's um, it's keeping businesses home. It's, it's doing business in Cork or Dublin or wherever it might be. Mm. And that. so uh, it's something interesting and the public... Uh, think and uh, they ask the questions and rightly so. Yeah. Now it would it will apply to people coming in from Britain. So if Auntie Mary wants to come over for my birthday, uh, she gets a PCR or an antigen and she comes over and that's fine. But if Auntie Biddy wants to come down from Derry, uh, she doesn't have to have any test to come across the border. Yes, and and that has been the, the case right throughout the pandemic. Uh, you know, it's a common travel area, as you know, and there's no restrictions. And, and people could, for example, if they wanted, uh, if they were going to fly from, from uh, London to Belfast uh, and, and, and come in that direction from a point of view of, of the well, borderless, uh, so to speak. So from that point of view, yes, that's correct. Peter. There's a thing, though, Pat, and that's just occurred to me now. Will they be allowed to fly from London to Belfast without a test? Well, I, I think uh, it's a good question and uh, I, I, I can't truthfully give you an honest answer as such um, because it's, it's a common area and it's a, it's, a good, it's a good question and I don't have the answer to it, but, but I will check it. That, uh, yeah, if you, I'd appreciate that if you could do that, Pat, and maybe let us know by text or something before the end of the show because it's just popped into my mind this morning. So I might want to get around the, the regulations so I might book a flight from... Manchester to Belfast or London to Belfast or Glasgow to Belfast and then just come down without a test. So do I need a test to go from Britain, mainland Britain, to Belfast would be would be a, a one worth an answer. I suppose, PJ, you know, for the sake of an engine test, uh, uh, be it 35 to 50 euros or yeah. sterling or whatever it is, uh, who'd be bothered as such. But it's an interesting query mm. uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll get the answer for okay. you. Okay, thank you. And it applies to, to ferries too. Which is yes, important. it does indeed, Jeff. Yeah, okay. All right. Pat, thank you very much. We have This question has come in to us. I don't know whether you can help with it or not. I'm in a serious situation regarding flying out and returning to Ireland. I'm flying to Scotland next Thursday the 9th at lunchtime, returning Friday 10th at lunchtime. Does that mean I'd have to get a PCR test or antigen test on the 8th before I fly to cover me coming home? I'm also fully vaccinated. I'd be grateful if you could clarify this Thanks. Well, with the PCR, once it's forty-eight hours, or the engine is seventy-two hours, and he can get, he, he or she can get that at, uh, in Ireland once once they were within the parameter of, of the hours applying to either test. So you can get the test here. We'll say lunchtime, so that lunch lunch lunchtime is flying out. You could get an engine test Thursday morning, or get a PCR test on Wednesday and get it back in time, and that will cover you for the overnight trip. Yes, indeed. Okay, Pat, thank you. That's how things stand at the moment. Pat Dawson of the Irish Travel Agents Association. We'll find that out, whether it is a thing that I could fly from Belfast, or sorry, from London to Belfast, and don't need a test, and I could circumvent the whole lot. If I fly from London to Dublin or London to Cork, I need a test. But could I fly from London to Belfast and drive down without a test? Pat's going to find that out for us. Did you get the fourth Cork connection to the goal scorers on the Irish team last night? Well, we had Denise O'Sullivan. She scored the hat-trick. Saoirse Noonan is from Cork. Megan Connolly is from Cork. But Kyra Caruza, who also scored last night, yes, 
She's American-born, but her granddad, Tony, is from Cork. Just thought I'd throw that one in. 1850-715-996. Inundated with your thoughts on masks and schools. Uh, we live in a democracy. This is a national emergency. Majority rules. We all need to do our part and back the government directives. It's like being at war. We have to stand together. Otherwise, we won't beat this. Hi, PJ. We just got a letter from the school about wearing face masks. While I don't have a problem, the school have suggested the mask not have any pictures or graphics as it causes a distraction. My issue here is parents now need to go out and buy five to seven plain masks to allow extra in the bag as the ones we'd have at home aren't allowed. I believe if the child is to wear the mask, it shouldn't matter what's on the front of it, as long as it's being worn. I can see your point. What do you want? What do they want wearing masks is going to keep the children safe? I'm sick of listening to the complaints, says Joan. Listener says, kids are led by parents' reactions. Great to hear PJ pushing back. More of that with the moaners. The pandemic is bad enough without people complicating simple measures. She's assuming masks have an impact on children, but what's the backup? We're in a pandemic. It's a very good move to make kids aged nine plus wear masks. The excitement of the kids outside the school this morning was palpable. Kids will only make an issue of wearing a mask if the parents make an issue of it, says Paula. Most kids love wearing Halloween masks. Stop complicating things. Let's go back to basics. My grandchildren in Spain are wearing masks to school for months. There's no outbreaks in the classroom. There's no objection. It's ridiculous the way people are reacting. John then says children freezing in school and now forced to wear masks. That's child abuse. The time the parents took the kids out of school. Well, John, let us bring up that. Uh, A consultant paediatrician, a child's doctor, a consultant paediatrician, Neve Lynch. I put that to her last week. Messages already starting to drop into our text and WhatsApp to say putting a mask on a child is cruel. Yeah, and they haven't ever seen real child cruelty. They haven't seen what cruelty to children actually is. I have. And I don't want to talk about it, but that's not cruelty to children. I think we'll take the word of a consultant paediatrician over and above people saying that's cruel. I really think we will. Appreciate your point, John, your call. Thanks. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. They can call me. Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. The weekend. On Cork's 96FM. Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at the Wayne Teaser question. There's the latest celebrity goss. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With Newmarket Motors Volkswagen. Where you can test drive the full Volkswagen range. Including the all-electric ID3 and ID4. See newmarketvolkswagen.ie. On Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yep, Kevin picked up on just a slip of the tongue there by Pat Dawson. 
from the Irish Travel Agents Association. It's 72 hours for a PCR test and it's 48 hours for an antigen test. There's also one subtlety that we'd both forgotten and mea culpa on this one. Uh, only a person who's fully vaccinated can use an antigen test. That seems to have emerged from the small print. So a PCR test for 72 hours, antigen test 48 hours for travel. But you can only get an antigen test if you're fully vaccinated already. Okay. I hope that clarifies things a little more for you. Speaking of vaccinations, getting a couple of calls this morning. A lot of confusion around booster jabs. A lot of people turned up at City Hall this morning and were turned away to be told there was no walk-ins. Does anyone know what is going on? Also, we got an email. Hope all is well. Just wanted to email you to let you and others know the Cork City Vaccination Centre on Anglesey Street have been turning people away for their boosters for walk-ins today. This is City Hall. My dad and I got up at 8 to get in for the walk-in booster for himself. Or should I say, I tried to take my dad, he's 65, in for the walk-in booster. I was told two days when I got my own booster, they were open at 9 for walk-ins on Wednesday, and he could get his then. We went up to the entrance and saw another person arguing with people at the gate and then storming off. Didn't know what the commotion was, but when we went up, we were told to go home and come back at 11. They said the times were changed to 11 to 3 for walk-ins. When leaving, we saw multiple elderly people being told to go away. This is disgraceful. I can't describe how frustrated I am for my dad. We are going to try and get some clarification on that. It does seem a bit daft that if you turn up at 9 o'clock thinking it was 9 o'clock and if they've changed it to 11, I'm just wondering where the problem might be to bring the few that actually turn up, bring them through and give them their booster there and then. Look, there probably is a problem with it. There probably is something I'm forgetting. Do you know I'm just an idiot on the radio? But it's see anyway. We're trying to find out what we can about the situation with the walk-in boosters. Some more of your comments. The emphasis on on kids, schools, and pantomimes. And in the coming weeks, though, there'll be GAA club teams traveling the length and breadth of the country to play in various club championships with no restrictions on them. Cork teams will be going to Limerick and to Clare, while teams from other Munster counties come here. What a message is that sending out? Now, oh yeah, line one you want me to go to, Fiona. Okay, hi Orla, good morning. Morning PJ, I'm not a very happy person this morning. No. And I haven't been for a while. Parents that say that masks on children is child abuse, I agree with Dr Lynch. Michael, as you know, has been wearing a mask since he was four years of age at hospital appointments, going in and out of the hospital, even at the doctors. I'm sick of listening to parents. Whilst I do understand that parents of children with autism do struggle and other other kids like my son do struggle with wearing masks, but parents of children who are atypical get your masks on your kids. I'm frustrated to high heaven this morning because of this. I think children with sensory needs, children in ASD units, they will be exempt if they can. They are exempt, yeah. Yeah, and but you're talking about standard, healthy, nine-year-olds. Yeah. Nothing wrong with them. PJ, my son will be wearing a mask coming home on the bus. The only reason he won't be wearing it in the morning is because I drop him up to school. He will be wearing it until he goes into the classroom and then he can take it off in the classroom. The teacher can take it off. Mm. Michael leaves his mask on 
until I take it off. He has never been able to take off his mask himself. And if someone comes at me and says it's child abuse, you haven't seen child abuse. Yeah. You yeah. really haven't. Yeah. It's not child abuse, it's keeping your child healthy. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've heard more than one paediatrician say, listen, I've seen child abuse, they say child abuse. And, and I, spoke to, I spoke to a child protection social worker recently. I've seen it as a youth and community worker. Yeah, yeah. It's not child abuse. Yeah. Parents cop on. Okay. Orla, thank you very much for that and give my best to Superman, won't you? 1850 uh, Yeah, there's loads more. We are inundated. And great to see it. I feel sorry for the kids whose parents don't, inverted commas, believe in COVID. That child has no choice and has to do what their parents tell them. And if that's not to wear a mask, then the child will miss out on school, which is unfair on the child. Yeah, there's just loads. Listening with interest to your sub- subject of mask wearing for nine-year-olds in school, shops and public transport, I was surprised to think it's become mandatory. I'd have preferred it not to be. Children would be fiddling with their masks constantly, then touching surfaces, perhaps spreading the virus even more. I'm so glad my family are gone beyond primary school. These are my thoughts. Oh, and how long is it? Mandatory, says Josephine. They're saying February, Josephine. February. Uh, we're in a pandemic. It's a good move to make the kids wear masks. The excitement going out to school this morning was palpable. It's only an issue if parents make an issue of it, says Paula. And there are just pages and pages of them. Masks are worn by younger children in schools all over Europe, says Antoinette. So why are we different? I'd rather my child, if I had one that age, wore their mask to avoid COVID than possibly end up on a ventilator if they do get a bad dose of COVID. Yeah, that's one that goes around. Listen, if you don't like a mask, you're going to hate a ventilator. Hi, PJ. I have two boys, a few boys in national school, two of them in the same class. One has to wear a mask, the other doesn't. This has to stop. Well, why does it have to stop? It just so happens that one needs to wear a mask and one doesn't. How on earth has this been a surprise? We haven't exactly been caught off guard. Are they not living on the same planet? What about shops? No mask, no shop. Adults will shopping with masks below nose. So frustrating. As retail worker, people don't care anymore as they're fed up. That I take it is from a retail worker who's very fed up. I did see a Twitter exchange in the last couple of days. One particular retailer had decided by its own back, and it can, by the way, any retailer can decide to do this. But this particular retailer, who I won't name, very well-known one, said, look, if you want to shop but you're not vaccinated and you don't have a mask on and all those things. If you want to shop, but you don't want to show us a COVID cert, go online. You're welcome in the shop with a COVID cert, with a, you know, the pass. You're welcome in the shop with a pass, but you can't go, you, you can go online. This war over, I thought, good on him. Good on him. 1850 Right, I, I, I said to you to, um, Think about Christmas music and Christmas songs and today being the 1st of December you'll start to hear them now on the radio and we have a couple of them popping up in the opinion line from time to time over the next couple of weeks as we draw closer to the big... Listen, if I had my way I'd just start playing them now anyway. Seriously though, is there a Christmas song that you never want to hear again? I told you to think about it in a different way. Is there a Christmas song that you never want to hear again. I mean, never. If you heard the first 
four bars of it, you run screaming from the room with your fingers in your ears. Is there a Christmas song you never want to hear again? You know you're going to hear it. You know it's going to get played. But you never want to hear it again. Is there one such Christmas song? And we'll have a bit of fun between now and 12. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Santa baby. For non-stop Christmas hits. Non-stop Christmas hits. My Christmas present for you. Listen to Cork's 96 Miss. Streaming online now. With Bridgestone and Desi's Tires. For real value, service and convenience. Open seven days at four locations. With late opening too. Desi'sTires.ie Download our app or see 96FM.ie Christmas songs you never want to hear again. Kay and Vashin says all of them. They're all fake. Well, we can't help you there Kay and Tony says I wonder is there any support for what Tony says here uh, Tony Tony never wants to hear fairy tale of New York again really Tony really never <laughs> he says it's not very respectful to Ireland to God or to people down in their look what Christmas song do you never ever want to hear again as long as you live? We'll keep it going for a bit of fun. 083 396 96 96. There's new research just out which says we became kinder to one another during the pandemic. Kinder than we have been for quite some time. But the majority say we need to keep that kindness going. Dr. Eddie Murphy's leading clinical psychologist. Uh, Eddie, good morning to you. PJ, PJ, good morning to you and to your listeners. Lovely to talk to you about the whole area of kindness and how how we can look at kindness being one of the best gifts that we can give for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. We became kinder to each other during the pandemic. I think for for particularly the early days of it anyway, Eddie, we'd no choice. We only saw a handful of people and our families were, were, were most of them. Yeah, so that we uh, we moved into this space where, where kindness became very important in that early phase, as you talked about. But I suppose also, uh, and why we're on here this morning, is that the whole area of how Maxall are doing, uh, donating 10 cents from every cup of coffee and hot beverage to a wear, and uh, in a way to uh, fund some of the incredible work that awareness are doing. And they have 12 days of kindness and uh, but kindness is contagious and people, it, it, there's a lot of research evidence to support kindness. And in this study, people were saying while there was kindness, they also think that uh, uh, having kindness towards ourselves and our community and others uh, is a great way of uh, sustaining uh, our uh, levels of mental well-being and uh, our health. And there's huge evidence to support this now. Yeah. A couple of the points that come out of the research was that the majority, a huge 89%, said we all need to be kinder to one another. I'm assuming because it helps us to get through the, the tough times. So, so if when you take about even from the therapy room, what we find is that people who struggle around their own mental well-being quite often can be uh, use a very uh, un, un, they're very uncompassionate, harsh, critical uh, voice, and really 
using a more co- uh, kind, nurturing, supportive coaching voice, what would you say to a friend? Or what act of kindness can you do? Sometimes kindness is about a doing thing. And I suppose in this 12 days of kindness, it's about saying, what can you do in 12 days, this first 12 days of Christmas, the kindness? And what, it's, a, it's an act, doing an action can actually create a beneficial effect for the individual that's actually given. Uh, we see this with volunteers as well, that people who engage in volunteering, quite often they receive more than they give. Yeah. There was a, a guy called uh, Mouse, I think was his name, was a sociologist, and he wrote about the gift relation, that we feel better when we are kind. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. well, I agree with it, and also... the. The evidence would support it. Uh, the, 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 when it comes to you're looking at the, the impact of kindness on yourself, on your family, on your community, and others. So kindness has a ripple effect, a beneficial, virtuous ripple effect. Mm. And being engaged in doing kind acts uh, can be very powerful. And if you even think about it, if I ask your listeners to think, if something kind was done to them, you remember the act of kindness and uh, um, that was done to you. And often you can remember if you've done a ki- an act of kindness onto somebody else. So it's, it's a, it, it creates a, a positive impact on both sides of the equation, as it were. I suppose, and that's what we're all about in this campaign with AWARE and Maxall uh, to uh, support uh, and have 12 days of kindness where people can buy a coffee and buy another one and pay it forward. Yes. The paid the forward thing has been around for, for a while and it's great to see it um, just ramped up a bit for Christmas with Max Hall. That's nice. The smallest thing, Eddie, can be a huge kindness. I think it's something we don't, we don't get. Like just something, something as simple as buying somebody a coffee. That can be a huge kindness because it could be the only bit of kindness they had all day. I think it's, it acts, it's, it's like a connection and uh one of the things we know is that there has been an increase in people's maybe isolation and loneliness. And that small act of buying a coffee or, or a hot beverage or whatever it is that you can, it, it creates a, a I, I see it like a ripple, a positive ripple effect. It's a touching and a connecting with others. If you think of the last time that's something kind, like if you imagine, ask your listeners, yourself or myself, like when I think of something kind that was done uh, in, in my life, it sort of brings a, a, a positive feeling. Actually, what it does is it releases this oxytocin and uh, positive brain chemicals and impacts on our well-being. Yes, it is. It is good for us to, to be kind. So simply going into Maxall over the next 12 days, and taking part in this—that's what you're here to you're here to promote. Yeah, so buy you can buy two copies, and then you can actually write a message on the, of kindness, and put it on a little card, and put it up on the kindness Christmas tree, and a person can can pick up that card and and use that to uh, to get a coffee, and they can buy one for somebody else, and it's a it's like a relay a relay of kindness. And uh, Maxwell will donate then 10 cents from every copy to, to AWARE, which is uh, provides free support and education for people impacted by depression, bipolar and other mood disorders. Last year, they, over a million people accessed AWARE's and they helped over 27,000 people on their support line. Mm. But even at that, only one in five, one in five people went unanswered. And by this act of kindness, 
more and more people will get supported through AWARE. Yeah. Eddie, just in your own professional practice, your own professional clinical practice, yeah. have you seen the pandemic having a a negative effect on our general well-being? Yeah, so it's had a significant effect like because uh, what's happened uh, with a pandemic are effectively, uh, collectively, uh, our stress levels have increased and it's hit, hit, I believe, different ages and stages in societies. So whether, you know, there's a lot of talk about children, the impact of children now, but older people, people that are isolated at home, not getting, people that are choosing to be, be more, uh, uh, maybe uh, protective of themselves. So effectively, people are in a stressed state. And for some people, this, this is prolonged now. We're going, we're moving into our nearly third year, or certainly in our second year of it. And so this prolonged stress has a wear and tear effect. But then it's about how do you mitigate against that stress? And that's why... Uh, these type of campaigns around kindness or what what impacts on our mental well-being so around physical exercise connecting with others good relationships um, all of these things how do you buffer how do you create a buffer zone to impact on what is uh, the the stress associated with a pandemic an important thing to remember is that the stress is a normal response or this is a human reaction because we're alert and we're and but then there's a way that we need to manage the news cycle we need to manage the information we need to make choices then about how much we want to live and how much we want to protect ourselves yeah. and I think people are coming into that sort of space now Okay, alright Eddie, leave it there Thank you very much Dr Eddie Murphy a clinical psychologist and that uh, campaign by Maxwell started today 12 Days of Kindness buy a coffee Paid forward for somebody else and Maxwell will make a donation. They're hoping to make quite a lot of money over the Christmas. Thanks for that, Eddie. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Never want to hear it again because I'm never, definitely not. I never did and I never will. Oh, I do. Oh, I'd love a white Christmas. I prefer the other version that goes, I'm not dreaming of a white Christmas. Another one, the Christmas song I never want to hear again is Fairy Tale of New York. Myself and my husband are so offended by a certain word, the word faggot, we put up with enough being a homosexual couple all year. Sorry to hear that. I would have thought it would be much easier now in Cork to be a gay couple. I would certainly hope so. But uh, thank you for that message. I hate, says Helen, oh two, about Sandra and Helen. Hate one of my favourites. Yeah, <laughs> they both hate it. Oh, come on, lads. Come on, come on. Um, Sandra wants to play a different... He's like, I'm not playing favourites today. I'm playing the ones that the ones that you don't like. <laughs> but what Christmas song would you... Do you never, ever want to hear again? As long as you live. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Much loved Cork songwriter John Spillane celebrates 23 years in a row playing a Christmas gig at the Everyman Theatre. Always a great night. Early booking is advised for the annual 
Christmas concert taking place on Sunday 19th of December. Access all areas. Panto returns to Cork Opera House next week with a brand new show titled Nanny Nelly's Adventures in Pantoland. The show runs at the venue from December 10th until January 9th with tickets on sale now from CorkOperaHouse.ie. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or any live streaming events coming up by emailing us here at AAA at 96FM.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on side. On Cork's 96FM. Keep those ones coming. The Christmas song you never want to hear again. That you'll run screaming from the room if you do. <laughs> I feel horrible evil today. And also, um, I got a very interesting statement just forwarded on to me that the Irish Medical Organisation has issued this morning with regard to masks for children. I'll read that to you in a wee while. But we're with Foot Solutions all this week. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 100 euro voucher every day asking you to count the footsteps in the snow. And I gave you the first set between 9 and 10. I'm going to give you the second set now. And then I'll just throw in the third set when it suits me. And I won't warn you at all. That's the deal. That's the, I might change that tomorrow. I might throw in the second set without warning. Okay, but today you get the second set now and the third set a little bit later. You need to give me the total at the end of the program. All right, so here's the second set of footprints for today with Foot Solutions on the Grand Parade. No, I'm not going to repeat him. I'm reading a great book at the moment. Uh, it's, It's a tome. It's a really thick book. But... It's a super book. It's a book called Hawhey, and it's written by Professor Gary Murphy from the School of Law and Government at DCU. And it's another one of those books that I'd recommend to anybody as a Christmas gift, particularly that person in your family who's fascinated and interested in politics and the history of politics. Uh, Professor Murphy joins me. Gary, good morning. 
Hi, PJ. How are you? Good to speak with you. It, it is a tome, but I, I can compliment you on the fact that it is very easy to read, uh, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. But why hahi, Gary? Um, well, first of all, thanks for your kind words on the uh, on the book. Yeah, it's a, it's a large book. I think it comes in at about uh, a quarter of a million words. But the uh, the physical copy is relatively light in uh, mm. in the hands. So my publishers have done a great job there. Uh, why hahi? Well. Um, I'd been thinking and writing about Irish politics, as you know, for about uh, 25 years at DCU. And um, the Hahi family donated his extraordinary large archive to our university back in 2010. And um, the family gave me early access to those papers um, to write this biography. Um, When I was talking to the family, I told them that... uh, any book based on his papers would have to be a sort of warts and all yeah. uh, biography that there couldn't be any sort of veto over what I uh, over what I wrote and uh, and they were quite happy with, with that. I think they had been, you know, kind of uh, upset over the years at what they con- saw as consistently negative uh, coverage of uh, of their father. Uh, these are the Hahi children, and um, and they wanted a sort of a book that covered pretty much everything. Yeah. And um, so I took on that challenge. Now it took me <laughs> it took me a very long time. Much of my publishers sort of. Uh, but how long are you working on this one? The world now. So, uh, yep. I started at about 2014. Right. Um, I interviewed, uh, in the early days, I interviewed people like uh, Maureen Hahi, uh, Charles Hahi's wife, his brother, uh, Father Owen Hahi, who was a member of the Oblate Order in um, in Inchicor here in uh, in Dublin. And, uh, and then the papers were catalogued by the university, I think, sometime around 2018. And I spent probably uh, a year of my life going through dusty boxes yeah. in the... Uh, so so would this, Gary, be the first biography or attempt at a biography of Hahi that has had had access to his personal archive. Yeah, right. It is. Yeah, and uh, and those papers will be made public by our university uh, in early 2022. The idea is that uh, there's a 30-year embargo on his papers, a 30-year rule that uh, people, historians like myself and others, uh, can't access the papers until 30 years. That yeah. note ends in February 2022, and the university will slowly make the papers available, both physically in the university and hopefully digitally. And they're sure. a wonderful source because they're not simply about letters to the great the good to Lynch and Thatcher and Cole and Meteron and whatever. There are letters also to uh, Mrs. Murphy and Mrs. Coogan from Donny Carney who are looking for help with, uh, you know, which were very grim circumstances that uh, many people on the north side of Dublin lived with. Yeah, and trawling through archives can be a lot of fun for that particular reason. Even though I've followed politics since I was a a young fella, Gary, and I remember how he came into power and I remember him being Taoiseach and all these things, there's an awful lot about him that I would have forgotten and that people would have forgotten. Like, he took four attempts to get elected. Oh, yeah. So, like, Hawhey is no overnight sensation in the uh, in the 1950s. He first gets involved with Fianna Fáil in 1948. Uh, he sort of volunteers during the, the February general election of that year. Uh, he runs then in 51. Uh, he loses. He runs in 54. He's also a by-election candidate uh, in 55, or 56, sorry. But he also loses a corporation seat. Now, I mean, it's one thing not to get elected in a a large constituency in the Dáil, but to lose your corporation seat, which he did in 1955, was a terrible blow. And 
he ran again in 57 and if he had lost then I think the, the Irish history would have been much different because he would have then had got the reputation of being a serial loser um, but once yeah. he was in the doll he then topped the pole at every subsequent election That's right. until, he, That's until right. he retired in 1992 yeah, and with huge just huge personal votes uh, for him and uh, and for Fianna Fáil on, yeah. uh, on the north side of Dublin He had an enormous personal vote and Tanet recalls uh, a story from for example a baby shop in Coolock and if anyone was stuck for the pram, he'd give them a code to go and buy something and the uh, shop would just write the code down and he'd pay for it. He was massively popular among his constituents. He was also, I knew he was an accountant. I didn't know he was a barrister or that his entire education was funded by scholarships. He was a clever man. Oh yeah, he was. So just on the um, on the sort of the baby stuff and the the presents, yeah, and, and many people would be aware of the, the sort of famous sort of turkeys at Christmas, which was a thing he started doing in the uh, in the early nineteen sixties. And like I found some very interesting results, including that many people. Uh, didn't want a turkey for Christmas. They wanted a chicken simply yes. because they hadn't an oven big enough to cook a turkey in. Um, you know, it gives some idea of the poverty around Coolock, uh, Artane, uh, Donny Carney, where he he grew up. Yeah, his his parents moved to to Donny Carney in the. So many people would know it there, sort of in Collins Avenue in Dublin, in uh, 1933 when he was seven. Um, his father was to use the word at the time, invalided out of the army in 1928 um, as a relatively young man. Mm. And for instance, his brother Owen, who was born in 1934, never saw his father uh, walk. So the Hohe brothers, there was four of them, lifted the father up and down their That's sort right. of uh, their, their terrorist house. Um, so they had a relatively tough um, uh, upbringing. Mm. He, did, he did come, to be fair, he did come from poverty. He did come from oh, a yeah, very, was, very deprived background, you know. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a, certainly a tough upbringing, and, and certainly in contrast with someone like uh, his great sort of political enemy, Gareth Fitzgerald, uh, who was sort of born to privilege on the other side of uh, of the city. It, it was difficult for the Hockey uh, family. Now, in 1938, I think listeners might be interested to know he comes first uh, out of 500 uh, applicants in the Dublin Scholarship Exam. Wow. And the, the great sorry, beauty of that exam was that it allowed children of the... Um, of the working classes and of the poor to attend secondary school. Remember, there's no free secondary education until uh, the late 1960s. And uh, and he benefits from that, as his brother did the year before, and that allows, allows him them to go to the famous school, Joey's uh, St. Right. Joseph's in, in Fairview, where he is uh, successful both academically, but also he was a very good... Um, he was a very good GAA player and uh, I think Cork listeners, well, we're, I'm not, and it's great to be talking to the homeland PJ, <laughs> uh, he played in the 1943 uh, Leinster minor final, which was the uh, the curtain raiser to the 1943 All-Ireland hurling final, which his other great enemy, of course, Jack Lynch, yeah. uh, played in that midfield uh, when Cork were in the middle yeah. of their uh, their four in a row triumph. So mm-hmm. um, it's just a little interesting footnote, but he was a very good GAA player uh, as well until he got sent off in a game in his early 20s. And, <laughs> Did he hit a linesman uh, or something? And never played again. <laughs> now, le- played as, again as a legislator, that. I mean, the Succession Act, like that a wife had a right 
to inherit from her husband. The death penalty, he was part of the abolition of the death penalty. Free travel, which everyone talks about. Family planning for, for, for married couples. Like, all of that can be put down to Charlie Hawhey. But you make the point in the book that there was a very big difference between the private Hawhey and the public Hawhey. And I think at the end of his life, for the later years of his life, the private Hawhey with the, thanks for that big fella, and all the money that was flying around, let's face it, the brown envelope culture, that caught mm. up with him. But he went from being like that hugely popular, massive vote, to be fair to him, an exemplary legislator, a very clever man. He came from being seen, Gary, and the arms trial in the middle of it all. By the time he died, I think most people saw him as a bit of a gangster. Well, completely, you know, and I, I don't shy away from that in the... Uh, you don't, in fairness to you, you don't. <laughs> And yeah, and, and allegations of corruption certainly uh, swirled around him. Now he he denied that any of the monies he ever received, and and we know uh, from the Moriarty Tribunal that he received in and around at least nine million pounds that the tribunal could trace, and there certainly was probably more money that the tribunal wasn't able to trace. Uh, Hawhey and his sort of defenders, including his family, who have a website um, dedicated to him, uh, argued that uh, the Moriarty Tribunal was wrong, that yes, he got this money, but there was no uh, favours in return. I, I make the point in the book that many people, you know, think this is stretching yeah. uh, credulity. And, um, yeah. and certainly he did, PJ, leave himself wide open to... Um, to allegations of impropriety because um, he was taking money. Uh, we know, for instance, Ben Dunn gave him um, uh, gave him three checks uh, totaling over one million uh, pounds. Uh, and Margaret Heffernan called to conceal Ben Dunn's sister, uh, looking for that money back on the ground that it actually wasn't uh, Ben Dunn's to give; that it was actually Dunn Store's money, as I think from Ben Dunn's uh, own money. How he never expected that the sort of um, the family feud between the Dunns um, would basically lead to his um, his downfall and and his ruination. And what was a very difficult. Uh, you know, um, last last decade of his life, he he retires in uh, from the doll in 1992 when he is sort of ousted in the phone tapping yeah. a scandal that reemerges. Uh, he thought his retirement would be relatively uh, sedate, I suppose. He gets cancer in 1994, which he has then over the following a decade. But once the tribunals came coming in, the sort of um, 96, 97 period, it was. It, it then became very difficult for him. And of yeah. course, to talk about the private life, we then had the famous revelation of the uh, uh, of the Terry Keane affair, um, yeah. uh, extramarital affair, which again, he, he didn't want to come out, although uh, Terry Keane said to Gay Byrne famously on the Late Late Show in May 1999 that he, he, he didn't mind, but he certainly did mind as far was, as uh, my research shows. Yeah. There was, there was, there was ructions. There's one very funny part in it, um, Gary. I threw my head back and I laughed about the night that he became Taoiseach and, and his kids went on to celebrate by going to the pub themselves while he went home. And he said to them, whatever you do, don't get arrested. I, th- I, I honestly thought that was so funny. At the end of it, though, your view of him before you went into writing the book and your view of him after the writing the book, has that changed? Uh, yeah, I, it has changed. I, I think I know him now much better than uh, than I said I did. I obviously, because I've sort of lived with him for the last uh, a few years, obsessively. So I think my my family would say. Um, 
and I do understand him, I think, a bit better, although I think it's probably not that no one will ever understand everything that was going on in that sort of uh, perhaps Machiavellian uh, mind. And a mind that certainly was able to compartmentalise public uh, and private, as I point out in the uh, in the book. I mean, he was, in many ways was the sort of, you know, the giant political figure of sort of our childhoods throughout the mm. 1980s when he had the great battles with, uh, with Gareth Fitzgerald. As you said, there's some very strong legislative accomplishments, but there are significant uh, public policy failures, particularly in the economy in the 1980s. Many people hold him responsible for the sort of culture wars uh, in the 1980s with over-abortion and uh, and divorce. Yeah. You know, people complain that he, we know now he was having an extramarital affair when he was lauding family values. And, and right. So it's a very, um, it's a very complex uh, life, but I think I understand it better. Mm. You know, I, I was asked recently, do I have um, sympathy or empathy? And I, I think I probably Probably uh, do much more. Much, I do know than I certainly did at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote in one of the newspapers last week, Paige. What I was trying to do in this book is to uh, humanise him. I mean, he in one way is the great sort of uh, caricature. Uh, you know, famously lampooned by uh, Dermot Morgan and the Scrap Saturday people in the um, on RT in the late eighties, and now we see Oliver Callan's impressions on Callan Kicks the Years. Um, and I wanted to sort of humanise him um, because I think there is a, a there is a, a human uh, story there. For instance, I write in the book about Cork and the the occasion when he famously went to Jack Lynch's funeral That's in October right. yes. uh, of 1999 and was sort of booed and jeered as his state car uh, travelled through the city on the way up to uh, or back from Shandon Street for the North Cathedral. And, um, you know, and that was a very difficult time for him because he was also... Um, uh, facing uh, criminal charges over yeah, yeah. Uh, revelations from the um, from the tribunal. I remember and, being, and being at that funeral actually and that. seeing that seeing that booing. So, in in a word, like Gary, to finish, uh, giant or gangster or bit of both. Uh, well, political giant certainly. I wouldn't use the word gangster, but he certainly did leave himself open to. Um, uh, to to what happened to him, and yeah. he he can he, he bears serious uh, fault and culpability uh, of him. I mean, some people will never change their minds that he was, you know, basically corrupt. Uh, but what I tried to present in this book is a, a picture of a man who I think did come to dominate uh, modern Ireland and to show him in uh, in all his flaws. Okay, listen, and it's a great read. Before I go, yes, Peter, before I go, I wonder, could uh, would you just give me the uh, the time just to say hello to my mum? My mum is uh, in hospital in CUH at the moment and uh, I just wanted to say a shout out to her I think she's listening and uh, to thank to her uh, doctors and nurses there and I think one be who are who are looking after so if you would give me that Aliyah, I'm very grateful be delighted to do that Gary you've just done it so well thank you very much Professor Gary Murphy uh, Professor of Politics at DCU School of Law and Government uh, Proud Corkman and author it's, it's a fascinating read if you have any interest in the history of Irish politics in modern times fascinating read author of Hahi it's a great gift for anybody in your family who is a bit of a political geek we have found out more about the walk-ins at City Hall I'll give you those in a bit we have a statement from the Irish Medical Organisation are sent to us by our friend Dr Nick Flynn on behalf of the Irish Medical Organisation their statement to do with schools and masks that will interest you and I also want to know what Christmas song you never want to hear again we'll come back to those but Chloe was with me in studio back in 2019 uh, talking about eating disorders and modelling and being a bikini model back then went on to win uh, Miss Bikini Ireland now she's set up her own agency hey Chloe good to talk to you again hi PJ how are you good how are you keeping very good very good thanks 
You were with me back in the in, in, in 2019. Tell me about your new agency. Yeah, so I set up, it's called Independent Ladies Agency. I set that up um, during the first lockdown last year. Um, it was probably a bad time to start it, to be honest. But after Miss Bikini Ireland, um, obviously doing the competition, making it to the final and things like that, um, it was hard to get into like different modelling agencies and things. And I think I spoke to you about that before, you know, about the certain look that That's right. you need to look like to be a model. Um, but actually, initially, we wanted to set up an events um, company because that's what I'm qualified in and so is my um, partner um, to have like all women events helping out uh, female DJs female artists local artists from Cork and things like that but that was when Covid hit and everything closed so um, I'm sure I told you as well before that like a lot of girls were asking me um, how did I get the confidence going yeah. to Miss Bikini Ireland and things so I kind of just started the modelling agency um, it just all happened out of nowhere to yeah. because <laughs> I remember when we talked up. first you were telling me about the, the whole eating disorder thing and, mm. and getting your getting your, your health and your well-being under control and you told me how much mm-hmm. of a struggle that had been for you and that I remember you saying at the time you would never forget how tough that had been when you were advising mm-hmm. anybody else mm-hmm. yeah uh, and it's not just modelling you know it's everyday life like women and I'm sure men as well they struggle with it so, um, obviously, when I started the modelling agency in the lockdown, we couldn't really do much because, yeah. um, obviously, the restrictions were put in place and things like that. But there was a lot of girls asking me for advice. So I started doing coaching. I called it coaching with Chloe. So I did three packages. There was like a confidence booster, um, a model ready um, package and things like that. And I got to coach young girls, which was actually, it gave me so much satisfaction um to see them kind of come out of their comfort zone and like there was this one girl in particular she would never even post a picture on Instagram or she always felt like really shy to talk in front of people or even in school if she had to give a presentation and stuff like that and to help her we I think I was with her for about five weeks we did it on Zoom every week um, and she came so much out of her shell, which mm. was amazing. Like she always wanted to model. She always wanted to be able to feel comfortable to post on Instagram and things like that. And she did. After her five weeks, she started posting. She was more confident in school, which was amazing to see, you know. Yeah. Um, I think you said before, it's in us all. We just need to find it. Yeah, exactly. I think when it switches and like sometimes I know you won't do it yourself. You kind of need a push from someone else. Which is what I what I needed when I when I was um, struggling back then, you know. But I started off with two models at that stage, and now I've eight, which oh, is unbelievable. Good, good. good. <laughs> um, yeah, so we have eight models, and they're all completely unique in their own ways. Um, and then, like, we have so obviously Banger Productions is our other side of the company which is to do with like the photography the videography it's the bones of the whole agency really you know which is my partner he does all the photography videography the promotions everything like that so we've just kind of tried like when the restrictions started easing obviously I got to um, get more models so we just started like shooting all different content and helping them with their confidence and because these were like I have two girls that would have had a little bit experience in modeling but the rest they wouldn't have even had a clue how to be in front of the camera, you yeah, know? Yeah. So we we got to help them with that, which is Brilliant. amazing. 
Um, and we opened our own um, studio in town, music studio, um, a recording studio. It's on French Church Street, which is a huge achievement. It's something Fabulous. that my partner. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's something my partner wants. So big to plans for 2022, years. Chloe. Yes, yes. Yeah. Big, big plans. <laughs> the name well, of the agency and where people can find you. Before I let you so go. It's independent. It's independent ladies agency and we're hosting our first event on the 11th of December in the Kino. Um, next Saturday, it's called Ladies Night. So if you're free, come down. It's on the doors open at 7pm. Um, the ladies get a free drink when they come in and it's just going to be full of different DJs and different types of music. So that's Excellent. what we're starting for 2022. Right. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. Uh, Chloe, Chloe Gonzalez, Independent Ladies Agency. 1850-715-996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. This came in on uh, WhatsApp voice note uh, following my conversation with Professor Gary Murphy about his book uh, called Hahi. PJ, in all fairness... CJ, hi, my head went down with a black cloud around his head. But for the dub, there was never a man loved so much in Kerry. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. That book out now. 1850-715-996. The HSE were back to us about walk-ins for the 60 to 69-year-olds looking for a booster jab. They're on at 11 to 3 today at City Hall. 11 to 3 tomorrow at City Hall, Friday 2 to 6, Saturday 9 to 3, Sunday 9 to 3. Full information on the HSE website, which is hse.ie. Tim Brosnan is in the walk-up queue at City Hall. No big queue there. Uh, He's inside already, so any city dwellers eligible for their booster might consider it now. The sun is out. It might be raining tomorrow. Thanks for that, Tim. Uh, still looking for the songs, the Christmas song you never, ever, ever want to hear again. I guess some good suggestions. Well, they're, they're, they're just they're strange suggestions. Uh, not a lot of love in the room for Fairy Tale in York, it must be said. Quite a lot of people not liking that one very much, even though it was recently, just recently voted in a British poll as the best Christmas record of all time. But not a lot of love in the room for it this morning, it has to be said. Uh, with regard to Christmas songs you never want to hear again. You'll also remember that I was talking yesterday to Freya, a very emotional retelling of the birth of her lovely daughter, Arabella, and what Arabella is going through and continues to go through, even though she's now starting to thrive. Arabella was very, very premature, and Freya had been very ill during her pregnancy. And we had a good long chat on the Opinion Line yesterday and she wanted particularly to thank Blood Bike South uh, who helped her a number of times one time being when she was in Cork and she had to get breast milk to Dublin for Freya uh, to, or to make it right to feed Arabella Freya had to get breast milk to Dublin and the lads from Blood Bike uh, got that sorted as they do uh, and we got a, a contacted by Blood Bike 
Blood Bike Dublin, their critical care team, who used to come halfway down, meet the Blood Bike South guys and take the breast milk up to Dublin to the unit for little Arabella. Hi guys, fantastic interview with Freya about Arabella. We never thought there'd be such a reaction to our post. Over 100,000 people have now read the story. It's had great impact and it's sometimes something we specialise in with a neonatal critical care unit for these specific cases for the acute units. All these efforts for the little preemies. Uh, yours, Blood Bike Dublin Critical Care Team. Thanks, lads. Uh, you do incredible work and it doesn't go noticed. It goes unnoticed an awful lot because a lot of it happens in the dead of night. We're all asleep. You're saving lives going up and down the country. Thanks, lads. 1850-715-996. For a long time now, there has been talk of an Educate Together secondary school in Cork. It was planned down around Rochestown somewhere, but it's still just an aspiration. There's not a shovel in the ground yet. And it's beginning to frustrate people. Students in particular have started a campaign. I'm joined by Simon and Sumaya. Hi, guys. Hiya. Hi. Hi, uh, Simon and Samaya. I'll start with you, uh, Samaya. Like, where are you living and where do you have to go to to get to school? Um, right now I'm living in Rochestown and I have to get the school bus from um, the Rochestown Inn and I have to wake up around 6 in the morning and then leave the house at 7 to get to the school bus before 7.30. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if Rochestown is where it was supposed to be built, isn't it? Yeah, around Rochestown, Douglas. And Simon, where are you coming from? I'm coming from Black Rock, and I'd usually get up about quarter to seven and be out the door by 20 past half past. And I'd have to be in Douglas then um, roughly around 20 to eight. Right, right. Now, you're both in transition year at the moment. That's, That's a bit easier, I suppose, for you both, or is it? It's not too bad, like. It's, yeah. it's it's yeah, it's not too bad, but mm. you know, the, going again with you, this campaign and what it's all about. Um, I think our fourth year experience would have been drastically improved if we had facilities um, to you know do things. Yeah, you're you're the temporary school, I think, in Griffith College at the moment, isn't that right? That is, yeah. Um, and we're meant to have our building, like you said, over in Rochestown. And we don't have any facilities now, like proper ones, like no canteen, proper science labs, etc. you know? Yeah. And that's going on a very long time. Yeah, we were promised to build it now by the time we were in Targer. And sure, there's no sign of it being built yet. Mm. Mm. And you, like you say, you've no labs, you've no PE space, you've nothing. You're just, you're, you're okay, you've got, you've got, somewhere to sit down and go to class, but that's about the size of it. You've, you've no, none of the proper school facilities that, that you'd be yeah. entitled to. Yeah. And no music room. No. No. Yeah. I, it must be particularly frustrating for you, Samaya, because, like, you could probably walk to school. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, it's really annoying because right now, um, if... Let's if we were if our school was in Douglas right now, I could cycle to school and by car it would take like five ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. and is it having an impact on your education, Samaya? Yeah, 
I think, um, you know, especially with going to classes and things, crowd, the halls are so crowded all the time. And I think personally, student life would be so much more improved if we did have our own building because for things like, um, like Simon was saying with PE, we don't have um, PE hall or anything. So we have to walk up to the barracks for, and it takes like 20 minutes to walk up. And then we have to leave there early so we get to school back on time. So it's, it's really frustrating. Yeah. And and Simon, what uh, impact is it having in you? I mean, as I said, tra- transition year is a slightly easier year, but heading into maybe do a leaving cert in these circumstances would be difficult, would it? It would, because like getting up now with the crack of dawn, like I don't think it's really helping because like, let's you know, our building was over where it's meant to be. I'd be getting up at about eight o'clock, be over at the school for 20 past, half past, and uh, I wouldn't be as tired and I'd be able to concentrate more, you know? Yeah. How do your parents feel about all of this, uh, Sumaya? Um, well, frustrated, naturally, yeah. because um, like Simon was saying, third year was the time when we were meant to have the school building and having to go to bed early and having to wake up really early. And if I wake up even a tiny bit late, then the school bus will leave the Rochestown stop. Oh, yeah. So you can miss the bus, like they won't wait for you. Yeah, they won't. So I ha- then we have to drive over to Douglas and there's loads of traffic as well. Yeah. And regarding things like extracurricular activities, it's really difficult because there's no school bus bringing you back. And like I said, because I live in Rochester, my bus comes like a- around every hour, every 30 minutes. Yeah. So if I miss one of those buses, then I can't get home for like ages. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Now, who have you contacted for your campaign? Your TDs, the minister, who? Simon, do you want to take that one? Um, we went to the Department of Education and they they just said like we couldn't um, have any planning permission for traffic reasons and all that. But I just say they just don't want to do it, to be honest. Yeah. So the, the site is in Rochestown. It's 20-something acres. It'd be a great place for a school, but there's no move on it. So so have you contacted, say, I mean, the Taoiseach is, is in the constituency. Uh, there's another minister in the, in the constituency, two, two other ministers in the constituency. Yeah. Have you looked for meetings with the Taoiseach or meetings with, with maybe Minister McGrath or Minister Coveney? Yeah, well, that's what this whole campaign is about. Um, we're starting um, right now to contacting local politicians and things to try and um, make change upon this issue. So that's what it's all about. And has anybody responded to you, Samaya? No. Oh, no, as in, like, we're starting right now. To oh, say. Okay. Yeah. So your hope is to maybe get a meeting with them so they could explain what the, yeah. what the problem is. Yeah, and why there's such a long delay. So, so kind of, what's your direct message to anybody who's listening now? If any of those people or their team, their but you know their officer listening now, what would be your message? I think our message is that um, we are a, a really good school, and our school community is um, incredible. Um, you know, and we're not an aspiration, and uh, it's it's a great school where everybody's so inclusive and everybody has a voice and. Um, we just like to, we just like for for them to, you know, take that into consideration because they're affecting teachers' lives, they're affecting students' lives, and especially with the six years now. For the first two years, they were in Nagel, and now for the last four years, they're in Griffith. Yeah. And 
you can imagine how that's affecting them. Six year students sharing a school with other um, with five other years and a college and college students. And the space and going having to go from Nagel, which was on in Mahan, right up to yeah. the college on the other side of the city, yeah. and having to deal with that when you're sitting down to do your leaving cert in June of 2022. Yeah. That's going to be really hard for them. Simon, what is so good about Educate Together? Why do you like being in it? Like Shmaya said, we all have a voice, and it's just a nice school community. All the teachers. They're really nice, and um, I know, I, like I said, it's just a good. We all have a voice. A lot of schools nowadays they don't really have that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, guys, you have voices, both of you, and you've used them very well. And here's hoping that something will get done in the course of 2022 with regard to the new Cork Educate Together Secondary School planned for Rochestown, but as yet, uh, no sign of a shovel. Being swung on that. Thank you both, Simon O'Shea and Samaya Mohammed. 1850 715 996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Call us now. 1850 715 996. On Quartz 96 FM. Yeah, Premier League live back this Saturday at 96FM.ie. Trevor Welsh and the team, powered by Talk Sport. Our live games this weekend West Ham against Chelsea at half past 12. Newcastle v Burnley, 3 o'clock. Watford against Manchester City at half past 5. It's the Premier League Live online with Now. Join in the experience with a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership and listen Saturday on the Quark's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie. A few more of your suggestions of songs, Christmas songs you'd, you'd never want to hear again. Like, Alex hates this one. <laughs> Why? I love that one, Alex. I love that one, yeah. A lot of people don't love White Christmas. I do. I have to say, my favourite is also not getting a lot of love. Like, it's not. Chris Rue, you're not getting a lot of love this morning. Fairytale New York, certainly. And Mags doesn't like this one. Stay Another Day. I'd love Stay Another Day. It was never meant to be a Christmas song. They just brought it out and, and put some sleighs and sleds into it and made a Christmas song. But Mags hates it, never wants to hear it again. Oh, well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, loads of them, by the way. Of course, we are online with our online Christmas station, Cork's 96. Most all your favourite Christmas hits streaming non-stop with Bridgestone and Desi's Tires, Blackpool, Little Island, Carrigaline and Vickers Road. Doing great deals for almost 40 years. Desi's Tires open seven days streaming now on the Cork's 96FM app and go to 96FM.ie and I'll be there at the weekend. Looking forward to that, so I am. 1850 For all of those friends who can be vulnerable and that you can be vulnerable with and you can share your problems with. You know when the room goes quiet and it's just the two of you and one asks the other, well how are you then? How are you getting on? And that's kind of an invitation to lay it all out on the table. Hang on, I'll get more coffee. That kind of a conversation. We've all got a couple of friends, or we should all at least have one friend like that. But how do you know that you're not just sharing stuff with a friend? That you're doing called trauma dumping. 
what the heck is trauma dumping? New term on me. Sarah Cooney from the Merry Me Centre is an adult life coach and also life coaches with kids and teenagers. Sarah, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. We all have those friends. I've got two or three that I could think of and they're the most valuable friends in our world. What's trauma dumping when it's at home? So trauma dumping is like, basically it's a prolonged discussion with a friend or loved one about whatever trauma is going on for them. And it can be a very repetitive discussion that isn't really going anywhere Mm. and that solutions aren't actively being sought. And it's been happening for years because obviously we're very, we're still, there's a lot of stigma still around mental health and seeking professional help. So we turn to our friends then for support and for whatever help they can offer us. Sometimes we just want to vent and there is that person to whom we can vent. There is, definitely. And it's good to vent and it's good to lay it all out there. Trauma dumping is more a continuous process. So um, it's the person that is obviously going through a lot of difficulties and challenges in their life. They might be nervous to go to seek counselling or therapy in any shape or form and their their boundaries wouldn't be as strong and they're kind of, I suppose, over-relying on their friendships yeah. for, um, for that support. Now, there's two sides to trauma dumping as well. There's the other person then who is on the receiving end of the, you know, the their friend's trauma, basically, that they're listening to this all the time. And look, we all have a certain amount of personal responsibility to look after our own well-being and our own boundaries. And it's about knowing, okay, this person is going through a difficult time. I will support them as much as I possibly can. But I need to look after myself as well. And it's about really observing, okay, when is this getting upsetting for me? When is this impacting on my emotional well-being? And then it's about, you know, consciously and compassionately communicating with your friend or loved one that, look, would you think about maybe seeking professional support Mm. in the form of a therapist or Mm. counsellor or coach or someone along those lines. Can a person need you too much and, and, and not be conscious of that? Definitely, yeah. And especially like at the moment, you know, there's so much, there's still so much fear and there's still so much like it COVID has been very traumatizing for everybody, for the whole world. And it's about really knowing what your boundaries are and what your limits are. To set healthy boundaries, you need to know what your limit is, when are you feeling overwhelmed? And then when you are, when you're realizing that, okay, this is too much for me, I can't cope with this, it's then turning to professional help is your yeah. best option. But of course, I'm please don't think I'm reducing the friend, you know, friendships and family support. Yeah. That's not at all the case. No. You see, every case is individual. Mm. Let me let me tell you a, a personal story, Sarah, Sarah, that might be illustrative. I won't name the individual, but I, I, I have a mm-hmm. close friend of many years standing who went through a personal trauma in the last four to five years. And that personal trauma led to me and this friend sitting up many a night, late into the night, turning the story over and over. And I said Uh one night, I said, 
do you think you should maybe talk to someone who's a bit more qualified than me? Yeah. And I let it sit there. And what came back to me was, well, well, where, how would I go about that? So immediately uh-huh. I was able to offer a phone number and offer a bit of, you know, guidance. And about a year later, that person said to me, I cannot thank you enough for that suggestion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have to be that able to recognize that approach. point. You have to be able to recognize that point, don't you? You do. Yeah. And, and that's about self-awareness as well. It's about building your own self-awareness around, okay, knowing, look, I'm doing the best I can to support the person, but there's only so much a person can do when they're not professionally trained to listen or regulate emotions or to basically counsel people, you know? It doesn't mean we can't talk about this again. It just means that there are certain things you need to put into the hands of of a professional. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't turn to your friends or family for support. It just means it's just about being self-aware and being, you know, observing how much your, how much vulnerability. You see, it's it's important to know who you can be vulnerable with as yes, well and is. what kind of support you're going to get from them, mm. you know. And I suppose, look, a lot of people in that situation as well, they rely on their friends, which is great that they can rely on their friends, but they don't, they don't know, they obviously don't know themselves that, okay, this is, this is the point that I've reached now. I'm in a crisis point. I need to turn to someone professional who is trained to listen, trained to critically think, trained to, you know, help you regulate your emotions, reduce your stress and cater for your well-being. Yeah. I just seeing a comment there on, on our Twitter in relation to the, the pandemic when, you know, when, when life got tough, as it did for all of us in some level or another during the last 18 or 20 months, you can go down a rabbit hole very quickly, can't you? Yeah. Just, you know, when venting becomes more than just venting. Yeah, like, as I said, there's just so much fear and fear creates panic and stress and it creates reactions to things, to things that when you wouldn't normally react, you know, it, it creates reactions that are a bit irrational at times as well. And like all self-awareness goes out the window when you're in a fear response as well. And prolonged fear then creates trauma. And trauma is a cumulative thing. It is stored in your body, unfortunately, um, unless you know how to effectively manage and regulate your emotions and express them and release them. Otherwise, they are suppressed as trauma within the body. And we are now seeing the massively cumulative effects of trauma. Yeah. Can you end up? I suppose this may be a slightly tricky question, but uh, forgive me if it is. Can you end up actually becoming a bit traumatised yourself if you take on too much of another person's trauma? Most definitely, you can, yeah. And again, that's about self-awareness and kind of filtering, I suppose, and knowing that, okay, you see, people don't realise how, like, trauma can be, trauma is a spectrum. People think that when you hear trauma, it's like something horrific that happened, that's not necessarily it at all. A trauma can be something that creates a stress response mm. within mm. you, something you're afraid of. And um, then it can 
get out of control, you know, when that fear is constantly being spiked, mm. you know, it creates a kind of a filter in your brain that, OK, I went through this before and something similar is coming up. And the body is so intelligent as well that the body reacts to that threat as well. Mm. So, like, it's very fascinating but it's very good to know this as well. And it's very good to be aware that this is what's going on in my body and my brain when I'm under constant threat mm. and fear, and which we are at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, you know? we are, no matter how much we try to deflect from it with nice things. It's been a, constant for the last concern. two years. Well, if you just take the last few days, uh, you know, or even yeah. the last few weeks, Sarah, where we, we thought in October that we could breathe, look forward to Christmas look forward to spring and look forward to putting yeah. this damn thing behind us. And in the last week, 10 days, two weeks, this blasted virus has said, ah, ah, not yet, lads. And I think a lot of yeah. people are feeling that deep down. Yeah, they really are. And look, I always try to look on the bright side and I always try to say to myself, this isn't going to last forever. There has to be some, there's a solution to every problem. That's mm. the way I look at things. Mm. I'm a critical thinker. I make informed decisions and I try to have hope in every, there's always some small little bit of hope can be yeah. found in every situation. Yeah. Cling on to that. That's my advice. But it is okay <laughs> to be saying to each other now, Sarah, isn't it? You know what? This blasted COVID has really outstayed its welcome. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And look, I think I found myself in my own personal relationships that, you know, people are weary from discussing COVID as well. So you really have to read the room. And, you know, to be honest, I've kind of stopped bringing it up as much as possible mm. unless I'm really frustrated. Mm. But if somebody else does bring it up and you're in the mood to talk about it, then go ahead. But again, boundaries. Yeah. Know what you're able for. Yeah. and what they're able for as well. Try to read that too, if you can. Coming back, lastly, uh, to that question, do you know the way you get to the point where you realise, I, I, I love you as a friend, you're a wonderful person, I'll take as much of your trouble from you as I can, but when the like that time when the question was forming in my mind, do you think you should get help with this? Now, sometimes it's not, I, that's a person to whom I'm particularly close, so I was able to ask that question without any fear of reprisal. But it's a hard question to ask because you don't know the reaction you're going to get. It is, but it's a, it's a necessary question and it's it takes a lot of bravery to bring it up with a person that you're not sure of what the reaction is going to be because you would be, I suppose you run the risk of them kind of uh, turning away in fear and saying oh you don't understand or you know so mm. it's about trying to put it in the most accessible and understandable way that you can you know mm. or even to just give a scenario like oh I have another friend who went through something you know quite mm. difficult as well and they went to counselling or they sought help professionally just, just and it worked really well for them yeah. did you ever think of this? Put it, put you it, know? Put it on the table and, and let them deal with it Sarah thank you very much that's Sarah Cooney, Cooney from the Merry Me Centre on the subject of trauma dumping. Be careful you're not doing it. And if someone's trauma dumping on you, you may have to, to reel them in a little bit. That person, as I said, one of my closest friends in, in the whole world. Uh, when I brought that out on the table, I thought, oh, Christ, what's going to happen now? And afterwards, we are both he, for the reasons, it's a he, the reasons I said it, he is happier now 
than he ever was. And I'm so delighted that I put it to him. But it was a different question to ask. 1850-715-996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Starts December with a 400 euro shopping voucher. That's coming up today and I suppose it's only right we get some Christmas tunes on the air as well. See you from 12 here on Cork's 96FM. I get you some more of your uh, Christmas tunes you never want to hear again Walking in the Air <laughs> I love that added Jones was used as a an unpost ad one time Walking in the Air ah come on Driving Home for Christmas I love that Fairy Tale New York not a lot of love in the room not a lot of love at all I have to say uh, and then here's two songs I can't stand no name on it but two songs you can't stand you can't stand this one I don't see why it's been around a while maybe that's the reason or you can't stand this one <laughs> oh, okay ah well They'll all be coming up at some stage or another over the next few weeks. 1850-715-996. Today is World AIDS Day, the uh, 1st of December. And they reckon that over 7,000 people in Ireland are currently living with HIV. Now, about 15% of them don't know because they've never been tested or indeed they've contracted HIV since their last test the great news, and I don't know how many times we've covered this over the last number of years, is that having HIV these days is something you can live with, a full and fruitful and normal life, if you just take some medication. But of course, discovering you have it is the first step. Olivia Tehan is Communications and Engagement Officer with the Sexual Health Centre. Olivia, good morning. Hi, PJ. Thank you so much for having me on. Good to speak with you. I can go back 20 years, maybe even Mm. closer to 30 years, and remember that if you heard someone tested HIV positive, it was such a tragedy for them because you knew their days were numbered. Now that is not the case anymore. Not the case. There have been really significant medical advances. And like you said, people can live full and healthy lives with the same life expectancies as people who are HIV negative. Um, and that's really the message that we're trying to get out there to get people in for testing and also to tackle that stigma that's still there from a couple of decades ago. You know, people, there's kind of that residual stigma still there, all of those myths uh, that were really very prevalent um, are still here in Ireland. Um, there's there's fairly kind of damaging misinformation that's um, that's quite prevalent, you know, about how HIV is transmitted. Um, you know, the, the studies have shown that that people still um, believe that you could get it from kissing or you could get it from sharing cutlery, and none of that is true. And so we're we're really just trying to tackle the stigma uh, ahead of World AIDS this year and spread uh, the U equals U message. Um, so that's. I get to the it U equals U in just a sec, but the the theme of your day is yeah. reaching those left behind. Who are you who are you talking about? 
So yeah, so the World AIDS Day internationally this year is kind of tying in with the the UN Sustainable Development Goals, and that would be on on um, leaving no one behind. And that's kind of where the stigma comes in, I suppose, because so many people have been left behind. You know, um, even in Ireland, like you said, um, a lot of people were were totally uh, ostracised, and and there's and that stigma is still left behind from that. And I suppose you can also look at it on the international um, kind of uh, when when I'm talking about it, I am talking about people living with HIV in Ireland, but we're very fortunate to have that treatment finally now um, due to medical advances here. And that's not available to, to people in other parts of the world. So that's really important to keep in mind too. Yeah. Talk to me about U equals U. What does that mean? Yeah. Great, yeah. So it stands for undetectable equals untransmittable. And it's just a way for people to kind of get a grasp on the, the science behind these medical advances that I'm talking about. So um, if you're taking uh, treatment for HIV, it can actually reduce the quantities of HIV in your system. So it gets to a point where what we, we sometimes hear now with the viral load with COVID and that it's that viral load with yeah. HIV, you can get it down to, to such a low amount that it actually can't be detected in standard blood tests. And when that is the case, you can't transmit it sexually. So that's why we say undetectable equals untransmittable or U equals U. And it's just mm. an important message to have out there because people um, are, have a lot of ideas about how HIV is transmitted. And it's important to know that when people are on treatment and taking it uh, as prescribed, that it, it really is very effective that right. way. And is it true, um, Sarah, or I beg your pardon, Olivia, that anybody taking the medication properly will get into that space where it's undetectable? Sure, yeah. So when you're, and I mean... for different people, they're coming into uh, medical treatment at different, um, different stages. But yeah, that's how it works: is that it, it once it gets to that undetectable stage um, in standard blood tests, then it's not transmissible. So I won't give any medical diagnosis sure. on air, but that's how that's how it works. Yeah, sure. No, because I, I mean, I think I, I I remember and I watched the Channel Four series earlier this year. It's a sin. Uh, and, yes. and I remember those terrible times where, you know, gay friends yeah. of mine, the, the terror in which they lived, that they might yeah. get this, you know, and, and, and yeah. that has changed so much. So I keep I keep an interest in it over, over the years. Uh, as to, yeah. Now, in, in terms of testing, like it used to take a long time to find out. Now, how long does it take? So there is free rapid HIV testing um, around the country and we're providing it at the Sexual Health Centre. Um, so really encouraging people to, to get tested. It's available for key populations. Right. So if, if people are wondering if they think maybe they've been exposed to HIV, they can give us a ring and we'll go through it with them. And you're in and out in a couple of minutes. It's really? very, very quick. You have your result in just a minute um, for the rapid HIV testing. Yeah, and that's and that's free of charge um, at the Sexual Health Centre. Wow, because I remember, as I say, back in those days, it would take it could take days or even weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and 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 also there wasn't that support, you know, when people were were waiting and and wondering, and and there wasn't um, the support there, and and there there is now for for a lot of people. We're we're providing um, counselling at the centre, and also just practical supports for people who were trying to navigate okay. um, a, a diagnosis or or how to um, how to carry on after that, and how to how to deal with different aspects. Yeah. If anybody would like to contact the centre at any time, what's the easiest way? So you can call our helpline 0217-6676, email us at inwhatsexualhealthcentre.com. We're also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, SHC underscore Cork. And Thank you park, so much, PJ. your park run, uh, can anyone yes. just take part in that? When is it on and where? Yes. 
So that is happening on Saturday, this Saturday coming, the 4th of December. Um, people are starting at half nine in the morning, uh, bright and early. And um, there is in-person uh, World AIDS Day run events happening with us in Ballincollig Regional Park, Tralee Town Park and Glen River Park as well in Cork. Um, and people can also take part anywhere in the country. So a lot of people are actually just signing up on our website, sexualhealthcentre.com. We're posting out a free World AIDS Day t-shirt and then they can go out in their local area. That's what we started last year because of restrictions and it really took off. So people are, are going all over the country and just going out uh, doing their 5K um, walk or run or whatever suits. Um, and it's for World AIDS Day, again, promoting the rapid HIV testing and spreading the equals you message. So just sexualhealthcentre.com if anyone is looking to, to join us for that, it's going to be great. All right, Olivia, thanks for being with me. Uh, Olivia Tehan communications and engagement officer at the Sexual Health Centre marking Word AIDS Day. If you didn't see that, it's worth catching up with it. It's a sin. I think it's still on the Channel 4 uh, app. You can still watch it there. It would rank among the top five series I've watched this year. Definitely. Uh, super. And apart from anything else, it's a very tragic watch. It's a very sad watch, but it's a compelling watch. The soundtrack is just phenomenal. Quickly catch up before we finish with Paul Newman of Catch. Paul, it's getting hard for 30-somethings to find partners and the pandemic's been making it harder. Good morning. Good morning. The I suppose, like, yes, you're 100% right. Um, I suppose from us, we're a dating application from Wexford that specializes in virtual events for singles. We are definitely seeing a lot of people in that age group uh, come to us, come to our events. But surprisingly enough, we have a lot of people from their 20s and over 60s as well. So it's it doesn't just uh, tie into the people who are, I suppose, in that age group, as we all see, looking for marriage. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the time, though, when people start saying to you, are you not thinking about settling down yet? Have you got nobody? 30s, if you're single in your 30s, people look at you strange sometimes. I suppose it's that taboo. I suppose this time of year especially because it's Christmas. And I suppose um, people just see happy couples and they would love to be in a relationship. And we're seeing that a lot now. Um, We've seen a lot more downloads and a lot more um, people attending our events. Now, our events are, are virtual events. Um, and there we've event in Cork this Friday, and these are virtual events where people can meet face to face. I suppose in the pandemic, I suppose a lot of people gravitated towards other means of meeting people. Yeah. yeah. And me being one, being one, really? I was single during the pandemic myself. Right. Okay. Yeah. And like, are people better at coping on their own at that age, or or do they do the majority of them want to find like? Did you want to find somebody? Well, I suppose it's it's like anything. It's like going to the gym. It's like losing weight or anything. You really have to make the first move. You must initiate um, um, movements. It's like the law of attraction. You have to progress in the right direction. You can't just sit there and do nothing. Now, during the pandemic, I think a lot of your listeners will understand this. It's just so easy to come home from work or just go to work in your pajamas and leave your pajamas on all day. Like realistically, we have to progress and actively look if you want to look for some, if you want to find somebody that you want to have a relationship, you must take the first step. It's not not going to happen. It's not going to fall into the sky. I think people are are disillusioned because a lot of dating apps give you that false hope of like swipe, 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 swipe. And I suppose realistically, you have to do the first the first step. And catch really gives you that that ease of transition because before the pandemic, we used to meet in bars or at work dues or at GA events. And that's all kind of sidetracked. 
And we want to come back to that same feeling whereby you got introduced to your friend's girlfriend or friend's friends at the bar and you just chatted. And that natural progression of meeting someone is kind of gone. And that's what we're trying to do at Catch. Okay. How do people contact you if they want to do so? Um, KATCH.ie. Simple as that. We have an event on Cork on Friday, 8 o'clock. Um, it's a fantastic event. It's a great opportunity. It's very simple to meet people. Um, we have musicians that play to make it very relaxed in a host environment. Um, the video calls are very relaxed. It's just very easy to meet someone. I'll be, you know, you know, we'll be on the event on Friday and I'll be very relaxed. Okay. And a lot of people broke up as well during, during lockdown. Uh, that was a tough time for them. Maybe they should get in touch with you. Catch.ie, K-A-T-C-H.ie. Paul Newman is the owner. Thanks very much. 1850-715-996. 15 steps it was. <laughs> Katie O'Keefe from Blarney. 15 steps. Katie has our 200 euro voucher today for our friends at Foot Solutions on the Grand Parade. Give the gift of happiness to your loved ones this Christmas with a Foot Solutions gift card. Free your feet and the rest will follow. We'll do it all again. Tomorrow I'm going to change things. I'll tell you when the first one happens and I'll tell you when the third one happens, but I'll hide the second one. So you'll have to listen out for it. Just have some fun. Just a couple of things before we go on Masks in schools, callers wondering, people looking for exemptions for kids who wear glasses. Seriously? I've heard it all now. Just treat the glasses to stop them fogging up. Another listener wants to know, why is there no mention of bus escorts? I have six different pods, all getting on the same bus every day. None wear masks because they're special needs kids. I think special needs are going to be exempted. I'm not able to say that with certainty but on the subject of exemptions here's one and thanks to Dr Nick Flynn who sent this on to me the Irish Medical Organisation has issued a statement saying we do not believe the provision of certificates by GPs is appropriate even more so given the pressures and time constraints members are under at the time the IMO are in touch with the relevant government departments in relation to this issue and will revert to all members with clarification on the matter so the Irish Medical Organisation has told its members, we don't believe that giving certificates to say kids are exempt is appropriate for doctors to be doing. That's a development this morning, which no doubt we will return to. The programme edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Have I forgotten anything? No, that's fine. See you tomorrow, just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. See MIG.ie.